Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the War Room Podcast. Uh, your host here, Big E and T Cop. Um, What's up, Big E? What's up, buddy? Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, that's a good deal. Well, today's show is brought to us by Bet Online. It's back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit. Just for signing up, don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports books experts. What's going on, brother? I ain't meant nothing much, man. Had uh, some good football this weekend, some exciting games in college and NFL world. But let's talk about this, this NFL world real quick. What caught your eye? Any athletes stood out? Any game stood out? You tell me what you thought because I know I got one or two myself. Man, the one that really just jumps out at me is really the Saints game. That mm-hmm. Saints and Packers mm-hmm. game. And honestly, I never thought that the Saints would have beat the Packers the way they did. The way they did. That was the, insane. Yeah, not even playing home. I didn't even know. think about watching the game because I just knew the Packers were going to oh, win. That's how I felt. Yeah. But the way they jumped out on the Packers, man, it was it was almost like the Packers just wasn't prepared. You wonder all of that Aaron Rodgers mess at the beginning of the season, if that got in the way of yeah. preparation or what. I don't, I don't know. Definitely. Because with me, I'm thinking, okay, the Saints are a – a new look because you don't have Drew Brees at the helm anymore. You know you have uh, you have guys that just new guys really. That's it. You know you got new guys. Thomas wasn't playing the receiver. Thomas mm-hmm. he didn't play. So for them to come out and still put numbers up like that, I really take my hat off to of Jameis Winston. How much do you think coaching had to do with that? Because A ton. you know they they had to prepare that fella. I mean, Jameis only threw for 148 yards. Mm. But he only had six incompletions. It was 14 for 20, 148, and five touchdowns. Wow. Now, one touchdown was to Alvin Kamara. It was one of those jet sweep little passes. So it was kind of like a, a eight-yard run. But I understand why they do it because if you toss it and they drop it, it's not a fumble. Mm-hmm. It's an incomplete pass. But, you know, that was kind of like a run. But still, nonetheless, five touchdowns from Jameis Winston after he threw, what, 30 interceptions the year, the year uh, last year, two years ago? That's huge. But – like I said, when it comes to the coaching, I think they're going to always put him in the best position, especially knowing Coach Payton. He's a quarterback guru. He's an offensive guru. And not even just that, like a lot of those receivers that was out there were, were free agents. Right. But right. I knew they was going to be fine, too, because they have Coach Curtis, Curtis Johnson. He's the receiver coach there. And when I tell you, have you right, like, so he used to coach at Miami. He was down in Miami for like 10 years. So he coached the Reggie Waynes, the Santana Moss, the Andre Johnson. He coached all those guys. Right. You know, so he knew how to develop receivers. So I really wasn't concerned about receiver play. I was more concerned about what Winston was going to do. Because however Winston went, that's how the team was going to go. And the way they say so balanced with the run game, play action game, and they limited Winston from throwing 50 passes a game, 40 right. passes a game. Right. And I think they can be successful doing that. They were really balanced. They had uh, passing yards 151, rushing yards 171. 
uh, and they averaged 5.4 yards per play, which you know, every two downs is a first down. And then mm-hmm. they were 50% on third downs and went for fourth down on two different occasions and got them both times. So they were very balanced. Uh, time of possession was almost 10 minutes greater to the Saints. Um, can Jameis Winston keep that going? Can he keep that going? As long as the run game is there, I don't think you want to open him up. Well, not right now. I wouldn't mm-hmm. open him up to just getting pass happy the way we will get with Drew Brees a right, little bit. Because you right. can trust Drew Brees a little, a little bit more. You can trust Winston because you was a, you, him and Coach Payton was around each other a lot more. A long time. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say he can sustain it if we got to open it up that way. But if we can continue to run the ball as well mm-hmm. and just keep him in play action type uh, – Type play calls, uh, of course you can you can get into the spread a little bit, but we got to be able to run the ball to keep him out of certain situations. I tell you what, he he probably throws top five best deep ball out there. Oh yeah, he 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 puts it out there on the money every time. And next week they got the Panthers at the Panthers, so um, that's somewhat of a rivalry game. And I went to the Panthers game the other day. How was that? It was hot. Um, <laughs> I went with a couple of friends, a former Pirate uh, Derwin Lamb and Tory Morris. Timo, what's as, up? As, as well as a former equipment manager and Benny Raindrop. Okay. Uh, and that's his real name, Raindrop. <laughs> uh, but me and Raindrop were in uh, agreements. It was okay. too hot to enjoy the game. Oh, my goodness. You know, and I see a lot of people talking about that interactive Panther that was on top of the stadium in the pregame, like was jumping on the stadium and jumped down on the field. And this mm-hmm. and it was pretty cool to see on the screen. But uh, it's nothing like an uh, NFL Sunday. But um, – was there any other games that you might have caught on TV? I know one that stood out for me was the Chiefs versus the Browns. And I used to play for the Chiefs, so you got somewhat of a little personal thing with them. But uh, the Browns gave them everything they could handle until that fourth quarter. And then the, the Smiths, like the Browns, ran out a little gas. And the Chiefs and that offense did what they normally do. To me, that game really wasn't about the Chiefs. When I say that, I'm saying it in a, in a way like we know what the Chiefs are. Yeah. The Chiefs have been consistent the last few years. Uh, the Chiefs have been consistently coming back from double-digit deficits right. and coming back and winning. So to me, that game really didn't show me that the Chiefs was better than advertised. Mm-hmm. It just showed me mm-hmm. the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Yeah. But it showed a lot about the Browns. A lot about the Browns. It I showed the Browns a lot. fans got I might go get me a t-shirt. I'm telling you, <laughs> the Browns look good. They I mean, did. of course they gave it away late in the game, but with those running backs they have, mm-hmm. uh, and the weapons they're going to have like without Odell Beckham. Right. You know, they still managed to put together a great game without Odell. I know what helps out those two defensive ends. Oh, they defense. You got Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, and they were getting after it. They didn't get home as much as you would like, but again, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And you're going to take a team that's coming out, and you know they're going to be high powered, coached well, and the Browns took it all the way to the end of the game. Now, there's really no other team other than the Bucs. We spoke about it a week or two ago mm-hmm. where we said the Chiefs and the Bucs are one and two, and the number three team is a far third. Mm hmm. Do the Browns argue? Did they show something that maybe in a few more weeks we can say they're at the third and they're closing the gap? I got to see a few more weeks. I understand that. A few more weeks. I need weeks. consistency. Yeah. It got to be consistent. It can't just be, you know, they play the Chiefs, so they got up for them. Right. You know, right. they got up for Definitely them. Definitely so did. They got to continue. The same thing I feel about the Cowboys. Shout out Aunt Lisa. Same thing I feel about the Cowboys. They look good on Thursday night when they played. But I need consistency. I need to see Understood. how well they can continue to play like that. Makes sense. And moving on to another game, that uh, Monday night, last night's game, mm. where you get the big-time East Carolina product 
ending the game Zay. in overtime. There we go. Good job, Zay Jones. The Ravens, are they going to be able to rely on the quarterback running as much as they had him running? I think they can do it. I like the fact that he's able to sit in the pocket now and make those throws. Yeah. To me, the Ravens lost the game, and yet uh, he fumbled the ball a couple of times. And actually, one of them kind of sealed the deal with yeah, the, the last one. The last one sealed the deal. Sealed the deal. But to me, I'm not concerned about that okay. because Jackson, Lamar Jackson, is going to be Lamar Jackson. He's still going to be a load to handle by mm-hmm. himself. Just the fact now he's kind of he's coming into his own when it comes to passing. He's developing as a passer now. His feet is still lethal. I've, oh, yeah. n- I've never seen another athlete as quick as he has, as quick as he is, as fast as he is, and as agile as he is. And the reason why I, say, I put this, I'm gonna say quarterback. The closest one to it. <laughs> don't don't say closest one to it. The closest don't, one to you it. Don't do it, T. Cop. Is Mike Vick? Don't, don't, don't do the Mike closest. Vick like that. But don't that's do the Mike closest. Vick like that. Lamar is the closest to Mike Vick. No. Not Mike Vick is closest to Lamar. Biggie, I love Mike Vick. Come on, you seen him in Dowdy Ficklin. Do y'all dirty when you was here? I love Mike Vick. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Mike Vick guy. But Mike Vick ain't have he don't have nothing on Lamar Jackson. Come on. Are you serious right now? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mike Vick is the originator. This is we can have this LeBron Michael Jordan conversation between these two. I get it, Mike Vick. I could say he's the originator behind Randall Cunningham because I feel like Randall Cunningham was the guy that really kind of got into that scrambling. He did his thing, but he wasn't Mike Vick. He wasn't Mike Vick. And Mike Vick is not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson ain't Mike Vick. We That's can have this argument with the masses. We, we need do, to. We need to. We this need is, to have someone else come on this show and we man, have this debate. Man, I, I can't believe you even say this. Do you, Look, were you not on the sideline when he was a Dallas Fickler? I was. And were you not in awe? Uh, I was. That's what I'm saying. I love Mike Vick. Do you I, not remember when he was at Atlanta Falcons? I love Mike Vick. Before the dog incident, do you mm-hmm. remember that Mike I rem- Vick? I remember that Mike Vick. Do you know how special he was? You played Very Madden special. back in the day too, right? Yep. I and played against him in, in the league as well. I love Mike Vick. I can't. <sighs> I, I got to keep saying it. I love Mike Vick. Mike Vick was the man. I feel like this is when your friends ain't your friends no more because I feel like I'm, <laughs> I might not even look at you the rest of the day now I'm thinking about this. But Big E, Lamar Jackson, he's honestly, I was looking at him run last night and the way he's uh, stopping on a dime and planting off one leg cutting, he really looks like a fast Peter Ward at quarterback. That's what it looks like. I see what you're saying. Peter Ward from Florida State, right? From Florida State. Yeah, so I, I agree with you on that. But Mike Vick was like Dante Hall. He stopped spinning around and get back out of there and back to 100 mile an hour right now. See, I didn't think Mike Vick had that that juju. I call it that juju, that wiggle. He was fast, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But he, he don't have what Lamar Jackson have. Lamar Jackson just got that, and I'm not hating on Vic, but Lamar Jackson just got that something about him that Vic just don't have. And that ain't taking nothing away from Vic. That's just really giving a lot of praise to Lamar Jackson and for us to and for me to put him on a higher pedestal when it comes to athletic ability mm-hmm. than Michael Vick. I think that's saying a lot about his talent. Mm-hmm. Not really hating on Vic, but just saying how man. I'm not ready to hand that over just yet. <laughs> Uh, it might be because I, I remember Vic back then. I can't say I grew up with Vic because yeah. we're not that far from an age difference. But mm-hmm. he was around when I was playing the game, and the game was most important to me at that time. And Mike Vic was that guy. He was that guy. You know. Uh, he, you're right. So 
We'll just say they're both extremely talented and more athletic than I ever was and ever will be. Me too. Yeah, so we'll give them that. Now, let's move over to this college world. And you brought up Peter Warwick Mm -hmm. and Florida State. Yep. Who caught an L this weekend from Jacksonville State. And I'm not necessarily more into the game and the score and all of that. I'm more into the Florida State kid proposing to his girlfriend after losing to Jacksonville (laughs) State. Now, we can go back to years ago when the Boise State boy did it after they beat Oklahoma, I think, in like a bowl game. First, first, let the people know what happened, like, with the game. And then why did the guy – so the guy just proposed. Yeah, so – Because I didn't see the game. I'm catching this, you know – Kind of on the fly, like walking past the TV and I double back and I'm just like, what's going on? <laughs> and then I had to pull up the phone and Google what's going on. And I see the picture and I'm just like, why would you propose after you lose to somebody that you're supposed to beat? So naturally comes to mind, he didn't expect to lose that game to Jacksonville True. State. Nobody did. Nobody did. So not only is that, but it's just like your thought process and game readiness is completely not there. I mean – Asking someone to marry is a major step. Huge. And I'm pretty sure everybody that's ever done it had nerves. Mm-hmm. So during this game, were you thinking about getting engaged? Oh, we're going to blow them out and I'm going to ask her to marry me. But now you're catching this yeah. L and you're going to go back in the locker room happy because she says yes after you just called an L to a team that's not on your level. I didn't think about that because truthfully, if I'm an athlete and I play for Florida State, the mighty Florida State, and I lose to Jacksonville State, Proposing is the last thing on my mind. Right. You need to propose yourself to that playbook or exactly. something. You know what I mean? I Do something. Think about that. So back in my mind, I'm just like, I wonder if coach said something. Can coach say something? Because he doesn't want to ruin the kid's moment. Like, hey, that's a bad idea. Well, is it a bad idea that you proposed? Or is it a bad idea to do it after the game? Well, coach ain't on my side. Now the boy resenting the coach and you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many different things, but it's just like bad timing. Man, Big E, if I'm that coach, that if I'm that coach. Man, forget your proposal. Yeah. Get your butt in this locker room. Let's go over this film. I'm telling you. You think he ran it by coach before the game? I doubt it. Just trying to spur him on. He did it for the gram. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would have done it. There's no way. First off, he's still in college. Exactly. Even if I even if I am going to propose, I got the abort mission after we get <laughs> beat like that. Yeah. Say, Put it back in your pocket. Yeah. Bro. And don't bring it down to the field, bro. <laughs> Don't, don't do it. You got to hit him with one of them. Nah, yeah, nah, let's kill try it, another kill game. It, kill it, kill it, kill it. <laughs> let's just wait till the next victory. I don't care where it's at. Exactly. You know, but, you know, moving forward, I mean, that really didn't have much to do with football. I just thought it was <laughs> it was crazy that he decided to be proposed after losing to Jacksonville State, a team that's definitely not on the level of Florida State. Definitely not. History-wise. Uh, a couple other games that are, you know, kind of close to home. You had App State, who competed with Miami, but ultimately mm-hmm. lost 25-23 to 23 in the last couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, UNC beat Georgia State. 59 to 17. Does that say anything about UNC or is it just they play really. somebody lesser talented? Yep, they play my lesser. This, this, what's the coach? Mac? Mac, what's the what's the head coach of Carolina? What's his man, name? I don't even keep up with Carolina. I can't think of what his name is. It's the old man that came from Mac Texas. Brown. Mac Brown, that's yep. his name. I was about to say Mac Jones was quarterback <laughs> for the Patriots. But do you really think he coaches or he just out there delegating? No, I think he coaches. You think so? I think he's pretty good. About 100. Yeah, I think he knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't well, keep up with those guys. I don't either. NC State lost to Mississippi State. That's awesome. It was 24 to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that, Mississippi State. Uh, Duke beat A&T 45 to 17. So Duke scoring some points. I don't know if A&T is lesser talented. They did beat us a couple of years ago pretty handedly, I thought. Yeah. So, God, does that make us the worst team in the state? But then you have Wake. <laughs> they beat Norfolk State 41 to 16. 
Um, you know, nobody really talks about Wake Forest being in the state of North Carolina. Like seriously, like you actually forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they need to make some noise. And then Charlotte beat Gardner Webb thirty-eight to ten. So some football in the state of North Carolina, which brings us to home, which is oh, the East okay. Carolina Pirates versus South Carolina Gamecocks. How you feel about the game? Ah, <sighs> Biggie. I feel that game didn't go the way it should have went. Mm-hmm. We should have won that game. When I say we, I'm talking about East Carolina. We should have beat South Carolina. I agree. It shouldn't. Honestly, we sh- it shouldn't have been close, truthfully. It shouldn't have been close. The way our defense was playing, we just had to capitalize on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, And we could have easily beat that team by two or three touchdowns. We could have. We just couldn't move the ball. What you think? Well, I, I do agree with you. Defense didn't deserve to lose. No, they didn't. They did not deserve to lose. I'm actually impressed with their effort level and what they're trying to do. I don't necessarily know what we're doing offensively. I know I heard Coach Houston say that uh, there was times where he felt that, you know, probably about a half a dozen plays where he wished the quarterback would have thought differently or been more disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with him saying that sometimes you'll have – Half the unit out there, five out of 11, six out of 11, out there doing it right in that one, two, three, four, that might make a slight mistake will ruin the play. Like receivers open, we give up pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Protection is good, receivers drop. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one thing that I felt, which you probably can elaborate more, is that I'm not – I'm not big on the receiving the receiver position. I understand what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it, but it really felt like for me watching from the stands – that we weren't getting as open as what we're used to seeing other teams do. Like we had guys that create separation when you watch other teams play. It's just like the receiver ran himself open. It's like our guys, it's just like the DBs are always glued to our guys. Mm-hmm. So is that a confidence thing of Houghton throwing it into a tight window? Is it better route running that's needed? Uh, I, I don't know. So maybe you can elaborate, help me understand what the deal is with our receivers and not getting open. I think it comes to both. I think when it comes to confidence from the quarterback – because uh, at the end of the day, if you have receivers on the team and they're not getting open, they're not getting that separation, which we definitely didn't have, mm-hmm. especially out on the outsides. Uh, I think Sneed, he did he did a good job of creating separation uh, on some plays I was looking at. But on the outside, I just didn't see it. Man, it was I didn't struggle. see it. And, and that's not really – that's not pointing fingers at anybody, you know, but just as an overall group. We have to be better as a receiving core. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because we play the team. We play South Carolina, right? So we just play South Carolina. And they are an SEC talent. Right. They are. But they're going to be at the bottom of the SEC this year. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be at the top of that of that conference. I think Vanderbilt might be the only one that's beneath them. Possibly. I'm telling you, to me, South Carolina is not that good. Yeah, they play in the SEC, and you got to give credit when it's due. I mean, you got to give that respect because they do play in that league. you got to respect mm-hmm. and respect all your opponents. But they're not world beaters. No. They're not world beaters. They're talented because we got some talented guys as well. We do. And we should be able to offensively, we should be able to move the ball a lot more than what we're moving in. I don't know if that's coming down to play calling. I don't know if it's coming down to uh, maybe the quarterback can't read defenses as well. I don't know if it's coming down to sometimes when we were open, the old line was giving up uh, pressure. I don't know if it's because our receiver's not getting open. Right. So it's to me, it's still, we talked about it on the last episode, it's still everything. Yeah. It's not just one group. It's not just one person. I think it's everything. I agree with you on that. I know 
watching it, you know, naturally, I'm always going to be leaning towards offensive line um, because that's my baby. That's where I was at. That's what I've grown up, played, and all of that. And I felt like they did a pretty decent job against guys that normally most people would say are more talented than they were more talented on their D line than we were on our offensive line. And our guys held their own. They did. I really feel like that. I mean, we didn't have crazy rushing numbers, Mm -mm. but uh, Harris had 14 carries for 70. Which is five point uh, five yards on average. And Mitchell had fourteen. Mitchell had fourteen carries for forty two, which is three yards on average, which is not ideal. But if you sit here and say uh, between the two of them about four yards a carry, that ain't bad. And then you know we talked about Mitchell increasing his numbers from last week. He had nine touches last week. Uh, In this game, I think he had sixteen. So that increased. Mm -hmm. We said maybe twenty was that number, but you know get get to sixteen coming from nine. Uh, it's pretty solid. Um, speaking of that open and play, um, I happened to miss the open and play. I was uh, coming from my son's uh, flag football practice, so mm-hmm. I got there a little late and missed this open and play, but my phone started blowing up about, oh, did you see that? Da-da-da. I'm like, no, I didn't. But, uh, you know, so I had to get this in. I was able to Google and see the the replay, that halfback or sneeze through that deep ball, mm-hmm. you know, and – I think the most frustrating part, I'm happy we scored on that opening play. I heard it was electrifying. I could hear it walking up to the stadium, stadium going crazy. The, yeah. the engagement. I spoke to a couple of fans that were visiting in town, had some friends come in town to go to the game with me as well. Uh, and they said the, the fan engagement, the band and all these things, like they felt like the bands were battling across the field and, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the, it was just electric to be back in there. Obviously we still want more people, but it was electric to be back in there. And that opening play definitely was a, a major, uh, shock to the stadium. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think the noise, and it was crazy. Like, I mean, I came in the stadium just grinning like, oh, yes, yeah, it's yeah. It's, uh, we're about to win. We're about to do this, you know. But I felt like we just didn't score enough points. And I felt like this is what I tell you, a buddy of mine came from South Carolina to the game. He's a Gamecock fan. And literally I said this to him, the key to this game is we need to score now because I don't necessarily know if we have the depth to compete with them for four quarters. Mm-hmm. And I felt like coming in that fourth quarter, the way they were run blocking – our guys and getting to the edge and then four mm-hmm. yards and five yards and six yards and four yards and five yards, that kind of wore down on us. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know uh, what our depth chart looks like, but you would think that a SEC depth chart would be a little deeper than ours. Yeah. You know, so uh, Houghton Ellers, 11 for 24, 77 yards, two INTs. You can't win with those numbers. Can't. I mean, that's just, and I love Houghton. Like I said, he's a hometown hero. Um, he was amazing high school quarterback, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, he still has some development to do. Right. And everything is not on Holton, though. Mm-hmm. It's not on Holton. I mean, it's a team effort. You know, like like I mentioned earlier, offensive line, receivers got to get open. Holton got to read the defense. Running backs got to block. and Max got to too. Exactly. So it's not all on Holton, but we cannot win with those numbers. I don't care how you cut it. I don't care how how much I love a player. If I'm being truthful and being honest about the game of football, you can't win with those numbers. I don't care what team you're on, what league you're in. You can't you can't win with those numbers, especially playing high division one football against an SEC opponent. Against an SEC opponent. And you know, and it's it's one of those things where you, I'm not a big fan of bashing a player mm-hmm. because I used to be one of those players. Yep, that's right. And I don't want to bash Holden. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you hear the people in the public saying, Oh, we replace him, we need to get another quarterback warmed up, get somebody else in the game. I still believe in Holton. I still yep. believe the coaches believe in Holton. I believe that next week he's going to 
against Marshall, he's going to do better than what he did this past game. You know, one thing that I, I worried about is when he got tackled harder midway in the game somewhere in there, and he kind of got up a little slow. I wonder if he had his bell rung a little bit. You know, I know we have phenomenal athletic trainers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but you have players that are a little stubborn too, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, you have to be honest with the training staff. And I don't know if there's something happened to him or not. I have no clue. I'm not trying to create some type of speculation or anything, but it just seemed like the play went downhill after that hard tackle. I feel the same way. And I feel, of course, you don't want to start speculating anything, but when a, when your quarterback get tackled that hard, because he got slammed hard and he didn't pop straight up, mm -mm. I just feel like you got to have somebody to check on him. Like after when he comes to the sideline, yeah, you got to. And they may have, but they you, probably they probably did. Yeah. But I, I mean, me personally, I would have said, "Hey, come on, send somebody else in," which would have been the Garcia kid, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, let him go hand it off a couple times, mm -hmm. just to then, make sure he's just good. to make sure he was fine. But even when it comes to maybe playing another quarterback. Like I said, I'm not in for just, okay, Holton don't need to play anymore. I'm not I'm not on that mm -mm, boat at all. Mm -mm. I'm not on that boat. But and then you just really don't know what else is behind Holton. Yeah. You don't know if the if the backup quarterbacks are really ready. Right. And and truthfully, I really feel like right now Holton still gives us the best chance to win games. Cause I still don't feel a quarterback, even though Garcia is a four-star quarterback coming out of high school, he don't have a lot of game time experience. True, you know. And then you have another quarterback. I forgot the third-string quarterback name. Uh, the little, he's the little a shorter, fast guy. The shorter, he's yeah, like fast five, nine, five, mm -hmm, ten, something like that. He can run, dual threat guy. And, and I heard he's pretty good, but you still just don't know if these guys are ready to step in and take over the starting quarterback job. So I still feel like Holton is our best chance to win. Oh, yeah, for sure. We, we just need collectively, offensively, we got to form some type of identity. We got to form and figure out what are we good at, what are we going to try to do, and how can we make the game. I don't want to say simpler, simpler, because we need to open it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But how can we get more effective and more efficient when it comes to offensive? You know, you have so many – bleacher coaches and uh, I'm guilty of doing it sometimes we all are we all are it's just I, I feel as if I, I just don't like I need another receiver to to do something in practice to wow these coaches to where on third and long we're not running a corner post to the five foot seven guy who's being covered by a six two guy mm -hmm. that's just as fast and way longer than him you know what I mean mm -hmm. like there was a couple of plays where I saw receivers and I don't know if this was a call thing I, like I said I'm not savvy on wide receiver play but I felt like receivers ran routes where they were loafing on the backside of a play where they just stopped running and that's embarrassing as a football player in mm -hmm. itself uh, it's actually rather disappointing to sit here and say people pay all this money to come watch you play this game and then you take plays off. And I'm not sitting here saying any names or anything like that, but I just saw it where I felt like receivers didn't come off the ball hard. I don't know if something was wrong with them, they were mm -hmm. hurt, or it's just called where you have nothing on this play. I've never heard a play called in my all years of playing football where everybody or somebody had a chance to take the play off. Mm -hmm. We've always preached play exactly. the play. And the worst part is, is like, I don't want these guys to mess up any future opportunities they have when they watch film. When I say they, I mean NFL, CFL, when they watch yes. film, when you're on the backside of the play, that is just as important as if the ball was in your hand. Mm -hmm. It is just as important. They want to see what else you're doing to see how hard you work because 
I know a man who played 10 years in the league and he specialized in special teams, and that's all effort thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm talking about Terrence here. I mean, he did his thing, and it was all effort. So loafing on a play, when people are paying to watch you play, and then I'm you're accepting. representing your university, you're representing your home, you're representing the name on the back of your jersey, play every play like it's your last play because you really don't know. And I'm, I'm just – I'm going on a rant because it's very disappointing to see people take off like that. But – Sneed, he had five catches, 35 yards. Mm-hmm. How do we get him open more if he is going to be our go-to guy? Where's CJ? He had two for 15. That big fourth down play was basically all of his yards in that one catch on the sideline, toe tap. We we need CJ to come along, man. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just being honest. Like I said, and, and I'm saying knocking anything about his, his skill set or his receiver play. But we need him to show up. We need him to show up, just being honest. Yeah. We need him to show up. We need not just CJ. We need all the other receivers to show up. Yeah. It can't just be Snead. You know, I don't know how many targets Snead had. I, I don't know how many targets he had. I know he caught five. And then even on that, we, when we run the trick play, Snead is involved in that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So Snead's in, involved in the pass to Hatfield at uh, the opening game, to open the game with the 75-yarder. Mm-hmm. But what is Hatfield's role? He had one more catch after that one. You know what I mean? You would think that his energies would have been going that you might want to try to feed him after that long one, catch and run. You're feeling like yourself again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then we hit the backs on three different passes. They could uh, caught three passes themselves, you know? You know, jumping over to South Carolina, their quarterback was 13 for 24 for 214, one touchdown, one INT. Uh, the running backs had roughly 20, you know, 25 carries. They rushed for over 100 yards collectively. Um, matter of fact, they had 109 yards as a team. We had 111. We passed for 152. They passed for 214 for totals of 323 for South Carolina, 263 for East Carolina. Um, 15 first downs for them, 12 for us, 63 plays apiece. We punted nine times. They punted seven times. They lost two fumbles. I mean, possession was 31 minutes to 28 minutes in South Carolina. I mean, the game is close mm-hmm. looking at that, you know, and obviously the score says the same. But, man, I just felt like we left 14 points out there somewhere. That we, I mean, when we went down there and kicked the field goal, we should have scored. We had an opportunity, went for a fourth, got it again, and we still ended up having to kick a field goal. So we had eight plays down in the red zone, and we couldn't get a touchdown out of it. Um, I don't know what the deal is with the guys, man. I really am lost for words for his offense, but defense has actually made me – I'm going to say we're playing defense. I'm going to say it. I'm a believer now. When I say I, I'm a believer – you can win games when your defense show up the way they showed up. Yeah, there was there was there was out there. There was getting. There. I mean, nobody had like impressive like tackle numbers or anything Mm-mm. like that. It was spread out, but that means everybody was getting to the ball when everybody they had an opportunity was... to. And I feel like they were just left on the field entirely too long. Too long. We didn't That's do them we a good service. Late. We wore down. I mean, we, we could have competed if we were to sustain a couple more drives. Mm-hmm. Our guys wouldn't have been gassed, and those runs that South Carolina was able to reel off in the fourth quarter don't necessarily happen. And then you got to take seven of those points. And put it on the offense for the pick six. Yeah, that big fella intercepted. Was it a screenplay? He picked it I think off it was. And, and, and returned right it for before a touchdown. the half. That right hurt. That hurt. That hurt. That hurt major. And um, you know, uh, those type of plays, you you take that away, we win the game. And there's a hundred other plays, or forty other plays in the game that could have changed the, the mm-hmm. outcome. Of course, so I'm not gonna put it off on that one play. But it's just it's very frustrating as a uh, a fan. Period. To not know what our identity is. Like, if you say, hey, Texas Tech is coming to town, we know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You say Washington's coming to town, we know what they're going to do. Oklahoma, yep. we know what they're going to do. We, 
Alabama, we know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. What is East Carolina doing? Like, we, we just don't know yet. And I feel like, and I still have all the faith in the coaching staff because we know a oh, few yeah. of them. Definitely. And I know they're working hard and without a doubt and not criticizing. It's just, we just wanted to turn around because we were part of it. And, um, at one point in time, we were a part of that program, and we still are. So, obviously, we wanted to be as successful as possible. So, you know, we got Marshall up next. Yep. What do you know about Marshall? <laughs> Their defense. It's stout. Their defense is good. They're giving up, what, about seven points a game roughly? Mm-hmm. They yeah. gave up 10 to North Carolina Central. And uh, seven to Navy. So They gave up seven points to Navy. So, eight and a half points is what they're giving up. And Navy's normally going to score their 21 they might lose, but they're going to normally get in the box two to three times. Mm-hmm. So they're stopping them. And then Central, we don't necessarily know what Central has. Uh, we're not necessarily following them. But I know Central competed with us very well when we played them um, a couple of years ago. So, And then they're averaging 46 points a game. Yes. Is this a real test for our defense? So will we be retracting our statements next week Next week when we had a show, you know, saying the defense is ready? I think, I think defensively I'm – I'm not so concerned about our defense, even though, of course, each game is each game. Mm-hmm. You got to go into each game differently. But the way our defense played against South Carolina, and I'm not saying South Carolina is world beaters, but my focus is not so much on our defense, even though you got to continue to focus on defense. Mm-hmm. But me, mentally, it's not about the defense. It's all about offensively. How can we put points up offensively? When our defense do get a stop, we need to capitalize mm-hmm. offensively because if you look at the stats of the Navy game, if you look at the stats of the the North Carolina Central game, Navy had over 300 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. They only had seven points. And they ran 30 more plays, right? And they ran 30 more plays than Marshall did, but they only had seven points and Marshall ended up with what, 49? Yeah. 49 to seven? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? And they they're scoring quick, exactly, and they held their um, they held Navy to like five for eighteen on third downs. So that run defense seems to be pretty stout. Their run defense is stout, but but Navy still had up. They still rushed for three hundred some yards. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of make it's like it's right, kind of like does this, how, how does this, this happen? How's this happening? Then you turn around and come to the North Carolina Central game versus Marshall, and Marshall put up seven hundred total yards of offense. Mm-hmm. That's the part that makes me nervous. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know what Central's coming with. I don't. But they have 463 yards passing, 237 rushing. They average seven yards of carry or seven yards of play. They have 38 first downs. That's a lot of first downs. They're throwing it to the stick and getting out of bounds or getting tackled one. Then you sit back and look and say, okay, they were nine for 16 on third down, which over 50%, which is solid. Mm-hmm. They ran 100 plays to Central's 60 plays. So they got their plays back from the Navy game. Exactly. You know, and then time of possession, they had the ball for 33 minutes to 26 minutes or 32 minutes to their 26 minutes. I don't know if we have the secondary to compete against a team that's willing to throw the ball that much and get that many yards. I don't know what we have over there. Do we have those pass rushes that can disrupt? Do we have the secondary that can go man? I mean, we've been doing man quite a bit, mm-hmm. and we've lost some man battles. Mm-hmm. You know, when the ball's in the air, we've lost those things. And I'm not sitting here, you know, picking on these DBs by any means, but it has been a a consensus, I believe, in the community that our defensive backfield is not uh, up to par to the challenge in a lot of cases. So I'm a little nervous about facing a Marshall who is – Coming in pass heavy, averaging 46 points a game, or we're going to them at that. We're going up to, to Marshall. I don't believe we ever really played well there either. Um, 
So, I mean, as a defensive coach, what do you do? Blitz and then leave spots open? Or you just stay in a zone? What do, what do you do? I think you first you got to look at film and see what they're what they're good at. What are mm-hmm. their strengths? What are their weaknesses? So I'm quite sure they're doing that all this week right here and, sure. and with the game plan. But again, it, to me, it doesn't it – go, it goes back to the offensive play. Defensive play, of course, they're playing Marshall, so it's going to be a dogfight on the defensive side of the right. ball. But when we do get a stop, we need to put points up. Not three. Not three. But seven. even if you put three up, we still need to put points up. But hopefully a seven. But right now, well, how I feel right now about our offense, at least if we can just capitalize on those turnovers mm-hmm. or capitalize on those three and outs or capitalize on those uh, those times when they're punting, we go down and we get a score. You know, we need to capitalize when we get the ball. It ain't got to be every single possession, but we have to score when we get those opportunities. That's going to help our defense out a lot because as a play caller, if I'm a play caller and I'm just defensively, we can't put it to offense, we can't score on the defense, but I know that their offense can't score on our defense either. I still, even though we're not scoring, I still have a sense of patience. Mm-hmm. Because they're not scoring either. That's the only way to put pressure on a pe- on a play caller is the opposing team has to be putting points up. Because now, when things start going sideways for the other team, the other opposing play caller, and the team is putting points up, now you get a little tight. Yeah. <laughs> now you get a little tight. Now you start you start forcing some plays that maybe you wouldn't forced. If the, if the other team wasn't scoring as much. So you got to let it, that, that setup play ain't no longer there. We got to go for the gusto. Exactly. Play. I'm telling you. So we got to start putting pressure on those other offensive coordinators. Trust me, the only reason South Carolina didn't panic, and I hate to keep going back to South Carolina, the only reason they didn't panic because offensively we wasn't doing anything. Right. You know, so the coaching staff, so the offensive coaching staff, they never tightened up. They kind of still stuck with their game plan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they won't, we wasn't scoring. Yeah, we was getting stopped. But guess what? I'm not panicking because they're they not scoring points either. So, so we might not be scoring, but we know they ain't going to score. Exactly. You know what I mean? The only time we scored the big play was with the gimmick. Yeah. You know, well, you know the, the trick play, if you want to call it. You know, But uh, hopefully, man, we got something in the tank. I mean, I feel like hearing Coach Houston speak that he's, uh, he's not uh, – he hasn't wavered in his preparation time and his effort. Like, and I doubt he'll do that. He no, seems he like a blue collar guy that's oh, going to yeah. work until, you know, uh, until he pass out the way he be seemed to be working. And mm-hmm. I feel like the other coaches are the same way. So I, I trust and believe. I, I believe they're still working and, and trying to get it done. Back when you were playing at ECU mm-hmm. and we were struggling or we were in a slump, and I'm speaking as far as you as a receiver, and you're talking about our receivers such as a C.J. Johnson who's supposed to be a guy that we're supposed to lean on. Mm-hmm. How does he come out of a slump? Do you have any tricks or things that you did when you were in a slump as a receiver? I think that, first of all, it starts in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're holding him accountable in practice. But the way to get him out of a slump is get the ball in his hands early. Get the ball in his hands early. And it don't have to be anything, a deep ball or anything like that. You could give him a little screen. A little tunnel screen. A little tunnel screen. You could give him a reverse just to get him going. Just to get them going. And that, those are the type of things we have to do, especially when you have some of your players in the slump. you got to get them the ball. Figure out a way to get them the ball just so they can feel good about themselves. The confidence is up. But you, it got to be early. Get it to them early. How do you feel about him moving to a, a slot receiver? Oh, You know what? Not necessarily the slot receiver. Like or just me. an inside an receiver. Inside, to me, I feel like he would succeed a lot more 
if he comes to an inside receiver. So if we went trips, meaning that we have three receivers on the same side of the field, he needs to number be number three. three. He needs to be number three. Matched up against a linebacker or safety. Or, exactly. And th- and that's not knocking anything because you have some of your best re- – look, I played with a guy named Marcus Colston, you know, uh, with the Saints. Mm-hmm. He's the Saints' all-time leading receiver. When we went trips, he was number three, and he dominated. He was 6'5". Um, he wasn't super fast, yeah, but he was long. He was long. His catch radius was everywhere. Just put it around him. He's gonna make the catch. And you could. And linebackers cannot stay with him. They they couldn't stick with him. Safeties wasn't good enough to stay with him. I just feel like CJ would really come out of his shell if we moved him around a little bit. Okay, if we moved right. him around, you think it's gotten complacent because it doesn't seem like we toss the ball to the outside receivers much anyway. You know. Um, and I feel like the confidence level can get a little shaky as an outside receiver where you can never get into a groove because we're always having to get it off and we got to get it off to a hot, which is the back, or a guy running a slant, which is a number two receiver, or a slot receiver, inside receiver, whatever you want to call it. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like I was sitting there looking at it, I was just like, man, imagine him running on a safety because we're not getting much separation against these corners who are Mm -hmm. ideally supposed to be faster in the perfect world. They're faster than a safety. They're faster than a linebacker. Let's match him up against someone that gives him a better chance to be successful because he will catch the ball. He will. He'll go snag it out there. He's a big-time receiver. He is. In a better position. And I don't know if the coaches have thought about that. And, you know, they might not listen to what we're talking about. I'm Mm -hmm. okay with that. But at the end of the day, just watching it, I really feel like it would uh, benefit us. And even the uh, Omotosho kid, where was he? Was he hurt? Or, I mean, did he play? I don't. Even, I mean, I felt like I saw him, but I felt like I didn't. We, I just feel like as a receiver group, we got to be better. And like, but it's not just one group. It's it's all the offense. The total offense have to be better, and just the team period. Because at the end of the day, the defense played well, but at the end of the day, you lose as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, so the defense has to play better, even though they played great and they didn't deserve to lose. Nobody on the field deserved to lose. But the way the defensive play, like you said early, they didn't deserve to lose that game. I think uh, I think special teams gave up a big return late in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, that was major. That was a, they had a big return late in the game. So I just feel like we have to continue to get better in all aspects of the game, not just one position. I know we talk about the offense a lot, but it's not just one one side of the ball because at the end of the day, you, you lose as a team, you play as a team. So collectively, we still all have to just get better. Every day, just get better. Man, I hope we get better right now. Because Marshall is not going to come in lightly. They're going to watch film just like we are, Mm -hmm. and they're going to sling the rock. So we're going to have to come together, get some turnovers, and we're going to have to put up points. You know, um, I normally want to say, hey, who do you got, and what do you think is going to happen? I personally, I don't even want to speak on it this week. I just Mm want to literally just see what happens. Yep. And then maybe coming here with all smiles and grins next week talking about what the boys did. That's what I want to do. And that's what I can believe can happen. But yeah. I'm not going to put it because I'm a very superstitious person. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about it. I mm-hmm. just hope for the best. Now, Terrence, if T-Cop, if you want to say something, feel free. I'm just going to hear what you got to say. I feel it's going to be a dogfight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a dogfight. I think we can pull it out, though. I know you don't want to talk about it, but I think we can pull it out, but we have to be hitting on all cylinders. Offense have to put pressure on their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. T 
to make him start switching up his game plan because we are capitalizing on these stops and these turnovers. We're actually turning those into points. So I feel like that's the first thing we have to do. We have to put our offense have to put pressure on Marshall's offensive coordinator. So a battle of coordinators. Okay. Well, I, I can like say it. battle of coordinators. It, it is. It, it, no. Essentially it is. I mean, you got it's chess. You got your 11 pieces. He got his 11 pieces. That's so true. But, but I'm looking at it as not necessarily our offensive coordinator. I'm talking about our players. We got to go out. Because at the end of the day, we still got to make plays. Yeah. Plays got to get made. Coaches don't go in the game. You're right. Yeah. Coaches, right. Just, coaches put us in the best position to be successful. That's the coach's job. Put your players in a position to be successful. Mm-hmm. That is the coach's job. But at the end of the day, Big E, I got to go up there and make that play. You got to. You got to block that DN. I'm going to do it, too. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of the game, the atmosphere was live. First home game. Loved it. Had some fans. Loved it. I feel like we hit the number that you said. My number was probably off as far as attendance. I think I was off, too. I think I said, what, 35,000? Yeah. I think it was like 41. Yeah, so I was terrible. I was in like 29 is where I was at. <laughs> so, good job, T-Cop. If we had an awards, I would give you one. But we don't, so you're just going to leave it empty-handed. Um uh, Alumni that was at the game. Did you see any guys from uh, from the past pirate alum at the game? Oh, Vontae was at the game. Yeah. I saw Vontae. Um, I'm trying to think, did I see anybody else? I saw Wilson Rayner, who was a long snapper back okay. when I was playing. Kevin Roach from Williamson, North Kevin Carolina. Kevin Roach was there. Yep. Big Roach. I mean, when I say Big Roach, I mean Big Roach. Roach, he about 6'6", six, six, right? 6'6", six, six, but I'm talking <laughs> about them pounds my boys are going to put on, too. You know, But it's all good. Steven Rogers came up from Georgia. Uh, old receiver. Man, I didn't see Rogers. It's exactly the same dude, man. Wow. Exactly the same. It was good to see him. The excitement that they showed, you know, uh, to be in the building is pretty awesome to see the guys. You know, yeah. it's, it's all. And then their reactions, they're all still hopeful. Mm-hmm. I actually went to dinner with Steven Rogers, Kevin Roach, Wilson Rayner. Um, and just to hear them talk, Brad Roach was there too, which is Kevin Roach's brother mm-hmm. who played at Catawba. Yeah. Uh, doing a fantastic job of coaching quarterbacks in the Eastern North Carolina area. But, uh, Hearing them at dinner talk about it, they they brought some light to certain things, but they all seem hopeful that we're still trending in a in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all of us, we just be like, man, what is the problem? But none of them had quit on Ailers either. None yeah. of them said, you know, now when you yell out seventy seven yards passing, it makes you say, wait a minute, what? But he still gives us the best chance. He still gives us the best chance. Yeah, that's the that's the, I mean. <laughs> What's the number two and number three doing if seven seven yards doesn't even even mention you to be potentially being the next starter? You know what I mean? Like how does quarterback controversy not start after the starter gives you seventy seven yards? You just don't know. What's, you don't know. We're not in know. the practice field. Nope. You just They're don't not know. Not in the practice. Field. And I don't. I'm not sure that right now. I want to see a backup quarterback right now because it could get worse. I you know I think my biggest issue and you can call it what you want to call it. I I've just never been a fan of a left hander. Mm-hmm. So I struggled, and then I ended up criticizing more than I need to. Okay, but I do believe I just want to see that whole Nailers that came in that Carolina game, and I felt like he was scared mm-hmm. as a freshman mm-hmm. and just did his thing. You know what I mean? Or yeah. that whole Nailers that threw for four hundred against this team. I just want to see that version. It's just like I want them to have fun, man. And it's not yeah. just saying like because I want them to win. It's just that I want to see the kids have fun. True. Because if we could go back physically and do that again. That was some of the most fun days, and I don't want it to be bad for them, you know. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll come up with something new, you know. Um, also, here at the uh, the podcast, what we're going to be doing, the War Room podcast is going to be identifying 
a player of the week yes. in the Eastern North Carolina Excited area. about this right here, East Carolina. So Eastern what, North Carolina. We're Eastern excited. North Carolina. North Carolina Pier. We're going to yeah. stretch out a little bit further. So what we're going to do is we're going to be acknowledging in the future, you know, a player that not only has the appropriate grades, but it also did something special on the athletic field court pitch, whatever you want to call it. They did something. It's not just football based. It's literally athletics and education. Education yep. first, obviously. Um, you'll have to email any game film that you might have to the war room ENC at yahoo.com. Again, that is the war room ENC at yahoo.com. Send any film or accolades or anything from a player in the area to that email. Uh, we'll get back and, and check and we'll Watch the tapes and, and read up on these people, read a little biography on them and see if we can come up with the player of the weeks and then hopefully be able to bring them onto the show or at least have a conversation with them and let them talk about themselves and their schools and what they got going on and what they plan for the future. So we look forward to that. Again, that is the War Room, ENC at Yahoo.com, where all footage and information on local athletes or North Carolinian athletes need to be sent so we can uh, choose the player of the week. Um, we'll be building uh, Facebook and social medias and Instagram pages and things like that to help follow along. And then in the future, we'll be bringing a visual where we'll be recording and uh, bringing a live visual feed into the podcast. So you can sit here in with myself, Big E, and Terrence Copper, T-Cop, and uh, be able to enjoy the show live and be able to see what we got going on. And, you know, in the future, bring it forward. We'll get guys into the show, former players, former teammates, former pros from a college. Um, it'll be fun. So help us grow uh, as we uh, stretch out over ENC, over the podcast, and we'll see how everything goes. Terrence, you got any closing statements? Uh, nah, Big E, do you hit it around the head? I'm ex I'm very excited about this, though, like the parents and and the kids sending their film into it so we can kind of evaluate it and then get a chance to really talk about the kids, talk about what they like doing, talk about their grades, their school, what their goals are in life, and really just put those kids on blast. You know, because mm -hmm. this is a sports podcast and we really want to get the kids out there when it comes to sports. So I'm excited about that part of it. Very excited. You know, and you know what I want to do? I want to up the ante just a little bit. The player of the week that we decide, and after the year's time frame goes by or whatnot, when we get a collective players of the week, we'll go back and look at it, and then we'll choose who is the player of the year. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, the War Room podcast will make sure we provide a piece of equipment that goes towards that athlete in their sport. So if it's a basketball player, you might get some basketball shoes from the War Room. Football player you might like get it. some gloves or some cleats. Baseball, glove, cleats, some, something that goes along with that player's sport, we're going to make sure that you win that um, moving forward. So that's just up in the ante, kind of just threw that out of the air, pulled it out of the air out of nobody on T-Cop. But no, that's it. what we're going to do here at The War Room. We're going to try to be a little different than other podcasts. So, again, The War Room, ENC at Yahoo.com. Please send all information of an athlete that you feel is worthy of being a player of the week. And that's it for Episode 3, T-Cop. You got anything else? I don't have anything. Listen up, fans. We appreciate y'all listening to our episodes. We appreciate you listening to the War Room podcast. Thank you for listening. God bless. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.